The scripture reading for today is 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. I'll give you just a few minutes or just a few seconds here to open it up if you want to follow along. One body with many members. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our most respectable members do not need this, but God has arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. We started last week a series called Being the Church in the 21st Century, where we were talking about the new challenges, new opportunities that come in our current day and age, and what does it mean for the church in the midst of that? And so last week we talked about what brings us together, what magnetizes us, what, what unites us, is that Jesus is Lord. And that we often find ourselves as churches or as Christians sometimes embarrassed by our faith, sometimes embarrassed by those around us, but that Jesus never disappoints. That Jesus, even in today's culture, even where there's no faith, uh, is still a model and still um, something that, that people long for and look up to. And so uh, how do we say that Jesus is Lord and say yes to Jesus as Lord in our life? This week's text somewhat starts off the same about that we're all baptized into one body through Christ. And so this week we're talking about belonging. And belonging really matters in today's world because people are very attuned to who's included and who's excluded and churches have not always been known as those who make people feel like they belong. We've often been uh, thought of as people who excluded, who I don't fit in there. Uh, and so what is it to be a church where people feel that they belong? And I think part of why belonging matters to us is that we are very social beings. Uh, even the most introverted person in the room, if you'd say that to you, you still want connection. You just need it in doses. You need it in the right spaces. But we all have this desire to be connected, to belong. 
And yet, we live in brokenness. We live where families aren't together. We live in disconnection. And we long to connect with others. And so, I think some of us might not notice that we take certain mental paths, certain routes in our brains where we think a certain way, and we exclude ourselves even before someone else excludes us. And so, you might say, I don't belong there, even before you've shown up to see if you belong there. And we just assume, I'm not going to fit in, I'm, I'm going to be different and other, and I'm not going to belong there. And we, give our, we don't let ourselves have that opportunity to actually try to experience connection and belonging. And I love that Paul somewhat encapsulates this thought process when he talks to, to the church in Corinth. He says, indeed, the body doesn't consist of just one member, but many. And here's where he lets us talk this mental process out. If the foot would say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. But that would not make it any less part of the body. But how often we take that route, well, I'm not the eye, why should I be there? I'm not gonna, I don't belong there. But you are a part of the body. And I think that we don't think about the fact that we belong, that God invites us into belonging, that God connects and unites us all. And so it doesn't matter what your checking account says, or it doesn't matter what degree you have, or what job you have, or how many family members you have, what skills you have, you belong. Even when your mental mindset likes to assume you don't belong, you belong. Now, there's a difference between belonging and fitting in. We often are worried about fitting in, and that's so much lesser than belonging. Um, Brene Brown, who's an author who does research on emotions and people's responses and, and their feelings, uh, she, she said this quote, the greatest barrier to belonging is fitting in. That might sound strange at first of, shouldn't, if I wanna fit in, shouldn't that help me belong? But these are actually like opposing mentalities. That to fit in is to try to change yourself to be a part of a situation. Like, I got to be like this person to fit in. Whereas belonging is being your authentic self no matter the situation. And so if you're trying to put on a part and play the part in, a, in this play, you're not actually being yourself and you won't belong. Even if you get the response you wanted, it was a charade. It wasn't really belonging. It was just fitting in. And if you want to see how that, that feels, just think back to high school or maybe junior high. You know, in high school, especially for freshmen, they walk into this big new space and they see all these tables of people they look up to who look like they've got the world figured out, which can be funny from our vantage point of, you know, what did we have figured out at junior year of high school or senior year, that kind of stuff. But to a freshman, like, look at those kids. They, I want to be like them whether that's the sports table or the cheerleaders or the band members or whoever it is they're idolizing. And like, what do I have to do to fit in there? And they play that game and you start wondering if you're a parent, like, why are you suddenly dressing this way? Or why are you suddenly talking this way? And they're doing everything they can 
to fit into this group that they want connection with. But at some point in our lives, we, we start to realize it's exhausting trying to be someone you're not. And you realize, actually, my idiosyncrasies, my weirdness, my quirky mannerisms or behavior or whatever, like that's a part of who I am. And you start to own that about yourself and start looking for places where you can belong, where you can just be you and that people won't judge you, uh, but will accept you. And I do wanna pause to note, being you doesn't mean we don't need to grow and change and develop, because we all know, looking inwardly, that we need that. But it's not that unless you do X, Y, or Z, you have value or worth, but like, you have value, God made you, you matter, and you can be so much more. God has more that God wants to do in you. And so we don't have to, to say it's okay when people are harming others, um, but it's okay to be your weird self. And we need people to be their own authentic selves. And we don't often do that in churches. We're like, well, I gotta play this part. Well, how should I sound at church? How should I carry myself? How should I speak? You know, we have these, this playbook and then we wonder after like 10, 20 years of knowing someone at church, you're like, wait, I didn't know this person at all. But can church be a place where you belong, where each of us bring our own weird selves to the table and it's safe and you belong because God says you belong. And even more than the fact that you belong, each of us are essential. There's no part of the body that's not needed. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? I'm gonna do an analogy. Can you imagine a sports team where every player is the same player? as great as Miguel Cabrera is for the Tigers and has been, if their whole team was only him, their pitching wouldn't be as good. Their fielding wouldn't be as good. Uh, if the, the Pistons only had sinners, Andre Drummond's a good sinner, but you need some other players. And the same is true of our, our cities, our churches, our families. We don't need just one thing, we need the diversity of us. We need each other. We need you know, the engineers, we need the teachers, we need the artists, we need the homemakers, we need the, the scientists, we need everybody. And yet we idealize certain things. We're like those freshmen who walk into the room saying, I wish every table was like this table and I wish I was a part of it instead of appreciating that that whole room needs to be there and that everybody belongs and everybody is needed in the body. And, and that's part of what hurts my heart when I hear, if I hear it inside these walls, if I hear it outside these walls, when we've got all this lovely construction going on across the street, all the new apartments that are going in, and there's a temptation for some people to say, oh, but you know, I don't know if I want low-income housing across the street. Maybe I wish it was middle 
income or higher income. As if not every person needs a safe space to live, needs good access to safety. As if not every person has gifts that they bring and they're different kinds of gifts. But we should be grateful to God of the diversity of our city, of our neighborhood. And I love that we got to experience a little bit of that last week with all of the varieties of people coming through our streets. But we need each other. But we still struggle with it. And we want to silo ourselves. And our brains can't help it. We like to categorize things. So we categorize things as either I'm similar or I'm different. And, and we don't look at each other with that generosity that you belong. We look to see, I'm looking to see if you're an eye of this body. I don't care if you're a shin. I don't care if you're an ankle. I need the brain. I need the eyes. I need the, the ears. But we need everybody. And I think part of this is hard for churches because we've gotten so specialized, so precise, um, even as broad as talking about traditions. You know, like when the Reformation happened and a lot of the reformers looked at their churches and said, okay, we want to do things differently. And so they're like, you know what really matters? The word. So scripture, preaching, that's what matters. It became very rational very ear-focused or eye-focused, eye only as in reading. And they stopped wanting to paint their walls. They're like, well, you know, the church has all these beautiful paintings. That's all distracting. It's the word. But we need the visuals. We need other senses. We're not just thinking people. Um, and we need each other. And so how do we as churches learn to embrace our full selves and the full community outside of us? And, you know, my example for this is always... I really loved, I had a doctoral seminar class on Syriac theology. We were reading theologians from like 300 to 1000 AD from uh, Syriac speaking countries. It's very precise, silos. But the class was filled with, we had people who were Catholic and who were Anglican, who were Presbyterian, who were uh, Lutheran, who were non-denominational. We had all these different people in the space and so when it comes time to write papers on all these texts that we were reading, someone said, I want to write about the smells of this particular text that we read. I'm not thinking about the smells of any text that we read. We're not, you know, we don't have a lot of incense or other kinds of smells that we really are, are attuned to in our tradition. But for him, like, that's a whole part of his tradition. What's the smell of church? What's the smell of these things that are going on in this text? And I don't see that at all because that's just who I've been, who I've been developed into being. And so I need that other person in the room to say, hey, there's this other thing here. And we all need that. And sadly, as a, as a church, as a city, as a country, instead of doing that, we go the opposite direction. We create echo chambers where I only want to talk to people who think exactly like me. Um, my only Facebook friends are people who have the same political posts. Uh, and so we make these, these bunkers where only people who are like me get to be in it, and we lose out on the beauty of the diversity of who belongs and who we need to encounter. And so we're called to be a church 
like God who doesn't exclude but invites everyone into belonging. And we're not the only ones who struggled with it. Paul is dealing with that in Corinth. There are a group of people who are saying, like, I always have to pause to remind us, if Paul's talking about this, it's a problem. They don't have it figured out. If he's saying one gift is not better than the other, it's because he's heard people talking about my gift is better than your gift. I have more honor. I have more power in this situation because I am different than you. And so to a group of people who are following after different leaders, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow Peter. It's a group of people who are saying, you know, faith is better or hope or prophecy or speaking in tongues, all of these things that they're bickering about. Paul is saying, no, you all belong. You're all a part of the body. There's no exclusions. Here's how he talks about it. As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our most respectable members do not need this. Now, I want to pause, because Paul's not alone in doing these body metaphors. Plenty of uh, like rhetoric um, scholars, like people that were talking to the public, would use this body image, but they would do it to say, all right, you as a society, we're all one, but know your place. You're insignificant. Let the significant ones do the job. And Paul takes us in a completely different direction. And he uses that metaphor to promote the unity and reject the body shaming and reject that you can tell this other part of your body that you don't matter. And I love that we probably missed this. Anybody catch that Paul was talking a little bit, not scandalously, but he had a little risque thing that he just said there. Did anybody hear it? I think we miss it in part with our, we have a tone that we read scripture in. Um, but let me read verse 23 again. Those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. He's talking about the parts of your body that you put extra special clothing on. You know, like, are you that part of the body, that thing that we see as shameful and like, oh, you're, you're, uh, you, you don't get to be made known to people, like, you, you, gotta get, you gotta hide. But he's talking about how even the most potentially shaming parts of ourselves that people might be embarrassed by, we actually clothe with honor and respect and dignity and give more things to them. And so I love how he's playing with that of like, even, even the parts of yourselves that you, wanna, that you wanna hide, actually you're not hiding, you're giving honor to. And there's people in your community that maybe you wanna hide. That might be a temptation. But actually you're supposed to dignify them and treat them with even more respect and honor and let them know that they belong. And so even the, the, the parts of ourselves that we consider less honorable are actually to receive great honor. And so how can we be a church that, that doesn't shame others, but celebrates others? Because it's easy to shame, and it's easy to get, fall into that trap as churches. And I think about a story that someone close to me shared that a church that they had been a part of, it's probably two or three decades back, 
that this story happened, but, but many of you, I think, lived through those, those types of times. Uh, but they talked about a pastor that told a couple they wouldn't marry the couple, and he guesses the reasons. He wouldn't marry the couple because the groom needed a haircut from the pastor's mindset. Tell you get a haircut, I'm not marrying you. Never mind that the strangeness of the blue-eyed Jesus that's probably on his church wall has flowing hair. You need a haircut, though, because you don't belong unless you look a certain way. And it's often more subtle than that. Sometimes, even on our best intentions, you can think about who, who you haven't seen at church in a while, and you see them at church and you come up and say, I haven't seen you in forever, which I think you mean as I've missed you, but sounds like, you know where you should have been? Where have you been? Which that person is probably struggling with belonging. I haven't been here in a while. Do I belong here? And do they experience welcome and belonging, or do they feel like they're being shamed and disconnected from? We are all called to include and not exclude. And I think about how challenging it is for churches. How do we make people get off those mental paths that say, I don't belong, to say, I do belong? And I think about when we hosted artist panels this last Monday, you should have heard some of the kids walking in were not thrilled to be walking into a church. They said, who told me? Like, they didn't tell me I was going to church today. And you can hear the fear in some of them or, or the negativity. Now, that's not everybody in the room. Some people are super excited and grateful and glad. And some of the artists and all of that's there too. But, but some people just walking into our space feels intimidating. Feels like maybe I don't belong here. And so how do we as a church work hard to make sure that not only in our interactions, but that our spaces are welcoming to people and help them realize that they belong and aren't excluded? And I think about how, we've, how we try to do that. Um, you know, we've tried putting up some more wayward signs to help people who are new. How do I find the restrooms in this building? Um, and there's things that we know that we have struggles with, like accessibility. We know that we have more and more members who, who can't go up and down stairs as much, and so that makes it hard for us because we don't want to ask people to go up and down the stairs unless they, we have to. Um, but I'm also aware of the fact that, you know, there's no ramp up here onto this platform. Um, and so how do we make sure that no matter what your accessibility level is, you know, we care that you're here, you belong. And so how do we strive to make sure everyone, uh, everyone belongs? And that's why we do more of the ear device system, that everyone that's here can hear. If you're here, you can hear. Um, but how do we make sure people belong? And I appreciate that Paul um, doesn't just talk about the, hey, stop excluding people. He invites them to do something, to care for one another. And he says it this way, but God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. 
If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Isn't that a beautiful picture that we are so connected that to hear one person's struggles, we feel that too. And to hear one person's good news, it's not my good news, but to hear someone else's good news and to rejoice with their good news, that we all care for one another and realize that we are all interconnected. And I appreciate all the ways that our church tries to care for one another, whether that's the fellowship fund um, to help when people are in, in need, whether that's quilts to people who are going through something, that um, a token to show that you are uh, cared for, to get warmth, um, to think about prayer, whether that's whenever we have shut-ins or people who are at the hospital and, and when people go to visit them, to let them know, you might not be near me, but we're still together, we're still at one body. And I think about the way we extend that where it's not just those who are already here, um, but like last week, when it's like, you don't have to show your membership card to get a hot dog. No, we're just giving it, it's free. No strings attached. We're just caring for one another. We realize that the $8 uh, food down the, down the street might be too much. Here's some food. Or art projects that we were doing last week of, hey, we, we know that you are here to enjoy art and we want to enjoy it with you uh, here. No, it's free. And I love every Thursday night in our space that we recognize that some people um, have limited access to some hygiene products, and so it's, it's just free. Come, take what you need, uh, this is here. How do we care for one another even more and more where it's not just inside our walls, but it goes out of our walls to those who don't feel like they belong, but our message to them is no, you belong. And in a world of exclusion, in a world of brokenness and disconnection, that's good news. You belong and turn to the person next to you and tell them you belong. And uh, I, I can't help but think about, you know, I like movies. There was a giant movie that came out this summer and made like $2 billion, the big giant Marvel Avengers movie. And in that movie, there's someone that's supposed to be the superhero, Thor. He's supposed to be this massively strong, powerful person. And you meet him in the story, and he's got this giant beer gut. He looks different than all the crazy strong abs he's had in every movie. In the movie, he's struggling, am I worthy? And he, he gets to meet his mother. Um, there's time travel and stuff. His mother's gone. He gets to meet his mother. And he's struggling with himself and his mother tells him, everyone fails at who they're supposed to be. The measure of a person, of a hero, is how well they succeed at being who they are. And in a culture that likes to tell you who you should be and what you should be and whether you're good enough or not, God's message to you is that you belong. You are God's creation, you are good, even though we fail at it. We fall short. We mess things up. We are broken. But the God who made you and intends to redeem you and is transforming you looks at you and sees goodness even when we fall short, even when we're broken. Um, and so the goodness of God reigns even in the brokenness. 
And I hope that for each of us, as we realize God's love and we accept it and we trust Christ as Lord, that what you recognize is that, okay, I belong, but I know there are others who don't feel like they belong. And so you take up that mission, that calling to invite others into belonging and goodness. And that it's not enough just to feel good about that I belong, but to care that others belong as well. And so I hope that you move from that feeling of I don't belong to belonging. So say, I belong and go find someone else to tell you belong. And so that's, that's our message today, that you belong and so does everyone else, and that we need everybody else. Our church needs people of all varieties, so look for those diversity that, that we don't see and tell people that they belong, and invite them to the God of inclusion. And so would you join me in praying to the one who makes it possible for all of us to belong today? Lord God, each of us here, whether in this moment or in others, struggles with feeling like we belong. Even when we've heard that message, even when we've heard your invitation, there are moments where our, our minds wander and we feel like we're less than or we don't, we don't belong. And Lord, I just ask that you would encourage everyone in this space to take hold and to have courage and to realize that you, uh, you have said that they belong. And Lord, I ask that each one of us in this room might take that feeling and that knowledge and that, that, that experience and use that as our mission to invite others into belonging because we know what it's like to feel alienated. We know what it's like to feel disconnected. Lord, let our hearts yearn to, to invite others into our space to invite others into our lives, that we can get out of the way of others' belonging. Lord, let us more resemble your kingdom. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.